0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Wellbeing. I'm Iris Nichols. My guest today is Professor Terry Bolan. He's Professor of Gastroenterology and President of the Gut Foundation and we're talking about Irritable Bowel Syndrome or IBS. Professor, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. It's
1: a pleasure, Iris.
0: Would you mind telling me a little of your background, how you started into gastroenterology?
1: Well, it began, like most things in life, by accident. I'd been uh, overseas in England doing some postgraduate studies and came back to the Prince of Wales Hospital in Sydney. And uh, my colleague, Alan Davis, uh, had noticed, together with others, that diarrhea was a common problem in in the Chinese student population at that time. And there had been a suggestion from Africa that uh, Lactose intolerance was a cause of diarrhoea in some people. And so we wondered if that was true of the Chinese population here, and it turned out to be so. And so we carried out um, a series of research projects over the next few years confirming that and showing that uh, it's common. It occurs in about 6% of the population. Um, It usually begins in early life. So that, but it doesn't appear to the child is about five or six. And it's not um, a total deficiency of the enzyme that splits the milk sugar lactose, but a deficiency of it. So you can still cope with a modest amount of milk, 250 mils, before you get any symptoms of diarrhoea. And then that introduced me to a career in gastroenterology.
0: It seems rather as if one automatically read in, led into the other.
1: <laughs> well, it did, yeah. it did.
0: How long have you been involved with the Gut Foundation?
1: Well, I'm the inaugural president, and we were established in 1983, so this is our 23rd year, and we're still bubbling along. We're a small organization. We think that we get the message out to the public and the profession about common gastrointestinal problems. Um, We began life with uh, bowel cancer back in 1983. At the time, it was topical with Professor Ronald Reagan uh, having cancer. And it's still as topical today as it was then.
0: Is it the organisation only in Sydney?
1: No, we're countrywide. Uh, we don't have uh, good representation yet in South Australia or um, the Northern Territory or um, Western Australia, but otherwise we're nationwide. It's, uh, it's not always easy to get the message out into the community. Uh, we rely on radio programs such as yours. We rely on the, on the print media and uh, and television. But it's a matter of just keeping on, keeping on.
0: Once you got the foundation started, what was the main benefit, simply to put across the the message about the stomach upset, those sorts of things?
1: Yes, we wanted an organisation that, uh, that was separate from our professional association so that we weren't seen as... Uh, some self-serving gastroenterologists trying to drum up business but really trying to get a message out to the community primarily about prevention so that in recent years we've uh, we focused a lot on on diet particularly dietary fiber because uh, diet's important in all the common conditions not just the irritable bowel but diverticular disease colon cancer heartburn gallstones constipation It really is the platform that uh, provides good health.
0: You mentioned that about 6% of the Chinese population had a problem. What percentage of the overall population know they have IBS?
1: I'm sorry, it's about... Lactose intolerance is about 6% of the Caucasian population. It's much more common in in Chinese. It's about 60% of the Australian-born Chinese population. IBS will affect about one in three in the community. And it often begins in early life, in teenage life,
0: mm. young
1: adulthood. Um, it's probably women more than men, but it is very common.
0: What percentage do you think probably have the problem but don't do anything about it? Do you think there's, that would add to the figure?
1: Oh, it may well do. Um, I think a lot of people get, get symptoms and... I've got this discomfort, I'm being punished for my dietary indiscretions yesterday where I might have had uh, you know, a big bowl of chips or a, a very rich meal or too much alcohol. Uh, and so they put up with it as they do with heartburn. So what we see in practice is perhaps the tip of the iceberg.
0: Mm. And it's more common in men than women?
1: No, the reverse, more common oh, in women okay. than men, much more common in in women. The reason for that we don't know. Um there is certainly a connection between reproductive hormones and the hormone system in the gut, so that many women will complain of IBS-type symptoms premenstrually, and they get better after their periods. But that isn't always true.
0: Do the men? Are the men likely to have some sort of hormone problem as well?
1: No, I don't think so. Um, mm. About one quarter of people with IBS will. get an episode of gastroenteritis that is the trigger so that's classical barley belly you get an infection you get over the acute infection but you're left with the symptoms that may persist for months or years and they fluctuate during that time they're made worse often by dietary things and made worse by stress Uh, so infection might account for a quarter of the patients Stress might account for a very large number or contribute to many of the symptoms or their worsening. Dietary things, fatty things are particularly common. So, and fat is often mm. hidden. So you can fat's visible on meat, but you often don't recognize the amount of hidden fat in, in processed meat or sausages, for example, cakes, biscuits, takeaway hamburgers, fried chicken, all that sort of mm.
0: thing. So we really do, I mean, all of us will really need to watch our diets very carefully, in actual fact, for whatever reason.
1: Well, I think so, because more and more additives um, are put in the diet these days, sometimes as preservatives, and you don't always know, because the label doesn't tell you Mm -hmm. that um, there is a preservative or additive present, so it's always safest to eat a diet of of fresh fruit and vegetables cereals and and lean meat you can't avoid eating processed food or preserved food but if you limit it then you're going to limit your exposure to preservatives and additives that you don't want
0: Mm. is irritable bowel syndrome life-threatening
1: never but it is often disabling in some people um and the sad thing is that some people are told they might have IBS, uh, go off and live with it. But there are many, there are many things we can do to make it better. So mm. it's never, a, it's never a life-threatening situation, but it often intrudes on your daily life and activities.
0: Does it affect people across all socio-demographics?
1: It does, because. The nervous system in the gut is really crucial to the way the the whole bowel functions. And I think that's where women are different to men, that the nervous system in the gut is in some ways more sensitive to things that happen around it to you and things that go through it uh, for reasons that we don't quite understand. And that's why they're more prone to these symptoms of IBS.
0: Professor Terry Boland, President of the GUT Foundation, is my guest today. Professor, what are the main symptoms of IBS?
1: Well, it's a pattern of pain, uh, an erratic bowel habit, bloating, wind, and often urgency with defecation. So the pain is usually low down in the abdomen, frequently on the left side. It's often worse in the morning and it's almost always relieved, at least briefly, by passing wind or opening your bowels. The pain may occur soon after waking and be associated with an urge to open your bowel. And this might be repeated several times over the next couple of hours, so that you might open your bowel two, three or four times over that period. Um, The first motion might be of normal size and the other ones are smaller Um, and may be a little looser. In people, in women in particular, who've had difficult childbirth, that urgency may produce some loss of control of the bowel because of the muscular problems they've experienced during during pregnancy. Mm. And then in addition to that, the bowel habit is erratic, so that sometimes you might be constipated and at other times the motions are loose. And that's also commonly accompanied by bloating so that your whole tummy blows up like an old party balloon, and that's usually worse at the end of the day.
0: Do these symptoms do they occur gradually or, or is there a sudden onset or how does, you know how would you become aware that you could have IBS?
1: They're not usually abrupt. they, they creep up on you and they've usually been present commonly for months rather than weeks and often for years and if you look back you can sometimes recognize a trigger like an episode of gastroenteritis or some stressful event or the use of laxatives in in, in young women Um, but they usually creep up on you and finally they get to the point where you think I've really got to do something about this because it's intruding on my way of life.
0: Are there any other symptoms like heartburn that contribute to this?
1: No, heartburn is is separate, but um, it's also common. So the, the, the two often go hand in hand, but they the treatment is totally different. This heartburn is due to acid uh, leaking back up into the esophagus from the stomach where it's all manufactured, and if you treat that with something that switches off the acid, the heartburn gets better, but the IBS will not. Although, if you have heartburn... Uh, And you've also got IBS. If you make the heartburn better, um, the IBS gets a little bit better because you've taken away one of the triggers in the gut to make you feel uncomfortable.
0: So do these symptoms come and go over time? You know, once they start, are they always going to be present or will they sort of go away and then just something trigger them off or are they basically there permanently?
1: For most people, they fluctuate Uh, They flare up at times of of stress. They flare up if you get another infection. And we now think that minor inflammation somewhere in the gut is is part of the cause of IBS. But there is a pattern of coming and going.
0: What initially causes IBS? I mean, is it just the symptoms you've suggested or is it something that gradually builds up? What's the basis of it?
1: Well, we're not absolutely sure there's a lot of research going on now that suggests that there is uh, some inflammation in the bowel, maybe the small intestine that we've been unable to recognize in the past, either with blood tests or biopsy tests from the bowel, and that may be what happens when you have an attack of gastroenteritis the -hmm. other thing that does is to upset the unconscious nervous system in the gut and make it much more sensitive, it's a little bit like falling over and getting a gravel rash on your hand and everything heals up but when you touch your hand it's it's still sensitive for weeks thereafter. Mm. So the same sort of thing happens in the bowel. And if you eat a particular food, fat, caffeine, sometimes spices, that will trigger it as we all stress. So we all know about butterflies in the stomach and nervous diarrhea and pain in the pit of your stomach when you're tense so the same sort of pattern of things happens with IBS.
0: Is the whole of the bowel affected or just the small intestine?
1: No, it's, it's largely the colon, and we've now recognised in recent years that the small intestine might also be involved. So that the colon is where you generate most of your gas so that when you eat fibre and resistant starch makes its way through the small intestine, reaches the colon and its huge bacterial population, and that pro- that begins the process of, of fermentation and gas production. So that if your bowel has a problem with its nervous system, it is more easily blown up by the normal amount of gas we produce. So it's a, it is a little bit like an old party balloon. It's, mm-hmm. but it's flat at the beginning of the day, and by the end of the day you're having trouble doing up your genes.
0: I guess all of these symptoms vary from person to person.
1: Oh, they do. And um, some people are very easy to treat. Um, And if you start with, with diet, the problem with diet, if we say that a higher fiber diet, less fat and less caffeine is good for you, that people don't always recognize where fiber comes from. Mm. So there's a great belief that uh, that, fi- that salads are rich in fibre, which is not true because they're very almost fibre-free. Mm. So it's the vegetables and fruit and cereals that are the important ingredients.
0: I suppose that once a patient is aware of the triggers, the obvious thing is to avoid them, but how can they be sure that it isn't about of gastroenteritis or food poisoning?
1: Well, they can't. <laughs> so that in a word? <laughs> if, if, but if the diarrhoea begins abruptly uh, and if it's an infection then it's usually gone within 24 to 48 hours whereas the diarrhea of uh, IBS may go on for longer or it may be similar to frequent episodes that have occurred in the, in the past years and so there is a definite pattern to it and of course with an infection you're more likely to have fever um, sometimes you might notice some blood in the motions and that never happens with IBS um, or other people in the family might have an infection.
0: On um, well-being today, I'm talking to Professor Terry Bolan, and our topic is irritable bowel syndrome. I suppose, Professor, once we think that we've got this problem, that the obvious thing to do is to wander off and go and see our GP. How high on the list of things should we be doing this?
1: Well, I'm a great believer in being in, in feeling well. So if you've got a problem, you should go and try and sort it out with your GP. But with IBS, because it does come and go and it is there for a long time potentially, um, both you and your GP need to be patient about it. You need to try different medications. You need to be aware over time of, of what the triggers are going to be. And you might need to make some really important lifestyle changes that take time.
0: Is it a good idea to keep a diary of when these events happen and what you've been doing in and around that time?
1: I personally don't find that very helpful. I think um, you can just, on taking a history about diet in general, can can usually pick up some clues. So what
0: we would always
1: ask about um, to go through a dietary, uh, an average diet, breakfast, lunch and dinner, in particular focus on, Fried foods and fatty foods. The other important thing is uh, is fruit and fruit juices, because there is there are sugars in these juices, fructose and sorbitol, that um, overcome the normal process of digestion in the gut and can cause pain and diarrhoea. So sometimes, quite surprisingly, someone will say, "Oh yes, I you know, I have a a liter of orange juice a day or something like that." Um, plus other fruit. so if you modify that, that's an easy thing to control. The other th- important thing is lactose intolerance, but you have to drink more than 250 mils at a time to get symptoms, usually. It doesn't happen with tiny amounts that you might find in tablets, for example.
0: All fruits contain this, this uh, trigger for IBS?
1: They do, but you've got to have a certain amount. And that's why I was talking about additives earlier. Mm. Uh, fructose and sorbitol are frequently added to uh, to foods as sweeteners. They're very they're the sweetest. Mm. Fructose is perhaps the sweetest of the sugars, so it might be added to uh, to diabetic foods where you're trying to keep the caloric intake down. Um, it's added to gums and mints and some lollies, um, and it doesn't always say on the packaging this has added fructose mm. or sorbitol. Mm.
0: Normal, if you just ate f- fresh fruit, you'd be reasonably safe.
1: Oh, you would, but it depends on the amount that you mm. eat. Mm. If you tell me you eat ten peaches a day, then <laughs> I
0: think people blame
1: the stone fruit, it's not the stone, it's the fructose in the in the fruit mm. cause of the diarrhea.
0: Now, if we go off and see the the GP, what sort of tests is he like he or she likely to organise?
1: Well, the problem is there's no absolute diagnostic test for IBS. It really is a matter of exclusion. So you can say on the pattern of the symptoms over years, look, this is likely to be IBS. If you're under the age of 40, then we might not need to do any tests. Um, Celiac disease is one thing you do need to exclude because it is topical these days. Particularly women say they're intolerant wheat because that's the most important source of fiber. So you can do a screening test for celiac disease uh, with a blood test. Um, If you're over the age of 40 or 45 and you've got bowel symptoms, then you should almost certainly have a colonoscopy to make sure that you don't have any other problem in the bowel that causes this common symptom.
0: Is having a colonoscopy painful or is it just uncomfortable?
1: Well, it's usually done under sedation, so it's it's not painful um, because a little bit of gas is blown into the bowel to blow it up and get a better view. Sometimes you might have a bit of bloating and pain afterwards. The real problem is the preparation. So you have to take some uh, mixture that's going to give you diarrhea and rinse the bowel clean. And that's And that's associated with a period of fasting, and that's what people find uh, most unlikable about colonoscopy
0: If someone is complaining with um, constipation and I think you said that that can also be a a symptom of IBS, is it unwise for them to use a laxative?
1: Well it depends Um, you need to take a history of their dietary fibre intake and quite commonly you will find that it is low so that they might be eating a breakfast cereal that they think is high on fibre but is not They might be eating a lot of salad and believing they're getting fibre from that uh, source. So you need to modify their diet. You might need to use one of the uh, bulking agents that are commonly available through the chemist uh, as an additional thing for treating the constipation. And if that doesn't work, uh, then you might occasionally use a laxative. There are a group of young women who really have profound constipation so that they might not open their bowels for one or two weeks and that's a group in whom we usually don't find any abnormality in the bowel and whom we give permission to use a laxative.
0: I guess the only other thing that's likely to to trigger it off would maybe be antibiotics if they were having problems with something totally disassociated with IBS.
1: Yeah antibiotics are a a common cause of bowel symptoms, particularly diarrhoea. That's why doctors are hesitant to prescribe them. I mean, lots of people want them, believing that a viral illness is going to be uh, benefited by them, but often you run a a greater risk of complications from the antibiotics. So you need to be wary of, of all the medications that you use.
0: Is it advisable if someone is unsure whether their diet is, is good or, or otherwise, maybe a, a trip to a dietician and, and go and talk about it properly?
1: Oh, I think that is a good idea. Um, I mean, not all, of it, not all doctors, uh, including me, know everything about diet. So often you need, a, you need a, some specialist help. Um, so that can reinforce what you've already told them. The problem with dietary fibre too is that you need to you need to approach it slowly. You can't suddenly say, "Look, I'm only eating ten grams a day," and my doctor says I've got to get to forty-five grams a day, and you jump in the deep end of the pool. You'll feel, you'll really feel uncomfortable with that. So you you make the changes to your diet gradual.
0: Can irritable bowel syndrome lead to anything more sinister, such as bowel cancer?
1: Never, but bowel cancer is common, so it's the commonest cancer in the community Um, and it's the leading cause of death in non-smokers so that uh, 12 people a day die from bowel cancer that's one every two hours and it's uh, also one of the preventable cancers the only preventable cancer in men and one of two in women the other being cervix and that's why we always say IBS is a diagnosis of exclusion, particularly once you've passed the age of forty. So, if you've got these symptoms and they are of recent onset, you need to have a colonoscopy to make sure that you don't have bowel cancer.
0: If the IBS continues, do you need to go and see a GP on a on a regular patient checkup?
1: Yes, you will. Um, I mean, you will probably need reassurance that that all is going well. Sometimes you might need specialist advice. Um, You probably need medications, and sometimes these need to be taken over many months. The commonest ones are antispasmodic medications um, that you might take two or three times a day, but take them every day, uh, together with dietary change and uh, a bulking supplement. And that often uh, does the trick for most people.
0: Is it infectious, IBS? No,
1: only if you've had an episode of gastroenteritis, but you can't pass it between partners or within families. So it's not infectious from that point of view.
0: Professor, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. It's
1: been a pleasure, Iris.
0: My guest today has been Professor Terry Bolin. He's Professor of Gastroenterology, and he's also the President of the Gut Foundation in Sydney. Until we all meet again, this is Iris Nichols on behalf of the team wishing you well.